Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. This week is all about banning conversion therapy with Sam Brinton. Sam is one of the world's leading advocates for LGBTQ youth. They are the founder of the 50 Bill 50 States campaign at the Trevor Project to end the dangerous and discredited practice of conversion therapy, first in the U.S. and then around the globe. As a survivor of conversion therapy, Sam has spearheaded efforts to submit legislation and promote public education in the hopes of ending the practice on minors. Let's give a warm welcome to Sam. What better way to say I love you than... I want an exact replica of your penis or vulva. Say hi to Clona Willy. Clona Willy and Clona Pussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of a penis or vulva at home into a high quality sex toy or memento. Check them out at www.clonawilly.com and use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase. Follow them on Instagram at Clona Willy Kit. Bring some queer, fat, feminist art into your home or into your business. Andrea Forgotch is an artist that creates pieces that are queer, inclusive, body positive, and self-loving. With her art, you'll be sure to make a statement wherever you need it. Go visit andreaforgotch.com, that's Andrea, F-O-R-G-A-C-S.com to commission your own piece, or download one of her illustrations in the shop. Follow her on Instagram, at Andrea Forgotch. Sex Ed with DB is supported by FemFun. FemFun empowers all to take control of their pleasure and sexuality by putting the most powerful products on the market into your hands. Electrify your intimate life with 15% off your first purchase. Go to www.femfun.com and enter promo code SEXEDWITHDB at checkout. That's www.femmefunn.com. Follow them on IG at FemFun. Ever wish your period products were more eco-friendly? Tired of buying a $10 box of tampons every single month? Meet the OGs of sustainable menstruation, Isle. In business since 1993, their collection of smart reusables is easy on the planet and good for your body. Check out their amazing undies, reusable pads, and cups at www.periodisle.com and use promo code SEXEDDB to get 20% off your first purchase. Follow them on IG at Periodisle. Hello, Sam. How's it going? Not too shabby, my friend. The <laughs> The rain is dropping, but the sun is still shining. So I'll call it a win-win. Ah, what a metaphor. You know, I'm currently in California. We need our rain here. It's really nice um, to have some of that rain. But you do need that sunshine on the shittiest of days as we've been experiencing the past couple of weeks. Goodness gracious. Is that correct? That's um, it's the bright spots, right? The bright spots remind us that... Um, 
nature is still there. Mm -hmm. We're still going to, you know, see the sunrise um, the next day. And that's how we get through some of these tough days. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amen. Um, Well, thank you so much for being here today to talk about you and uh, the Trevor Project. We have so much good stuff, good questions that we'd love to ask you today. Um, And we're just going to get started by you sharing your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about how you identify whatever that means to you. Absolutely. So my name is Sam Brinton. Uh, My pronouns are they and them. uh, And I identify as a gender fluid bisexual um, nerd. That's how I guess I'll, those are the three words that I'll use to describe myself. Um, My background is I'm a nuclear engineer. I used to um, disarm nuclear bombs and work on nuclear waste management. Um, And now I work in LGBT politics um, at the Trevor Project. So um, a gender fluid bisexual nerd. Those are three good words for me. Amazing. And what a shift from nuclear engineering to LGBTQ youth advocacy work. Uh, let's be very clear. <laughs> LGBTQ politics, 10 times as complex as quantum <laughs> physics, like 10 times as complex. A neutron goes where I tell it to go. A politician does not vote as I tell them to vote. So oh I have learned long ago that LGBTQ politics is going to be the greatest challenge of my of my academic life. <laughs> oh, so fascinating. Cannot wait to learn more about that. Um, okay, so let's go into what what is the Trevor Project? Um, how long has it been around? What do they do? And what is your particular role there? Absolutely. So the Trevor Project is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention program for LGBTQ youth. Founded more than 20 years ago, um, it was actually quite interesting, the story. We um, had a short film that was coming out called Trevor about a boy that is misunderstood and um, is feeling lost and alone. Um, Ellen DeGeneres had just come out a little bit before, and so she actually promoted um, and introdu- introduced the movie, um, which was playing on HBO, really big moment for our history. Wow. And the founders realized, oh, there may not be um, someone for people like Trevor to call if they're feeling lost or alone. Um, And so they put up a few phones and the phones haven't stopped ringing since. Um, uh, It's been an amazing uh, opportunity. We now serve, you know, more than 150,000 contacts um, every year. It is, it is truly powerful. Um, So we do this through a lot of different systems, right? Um, We do it through the nice old phone. You can always call us. Um, But we also, because I'm a good, um, you know, millennial and even further in this work for others, you know, maybe sometimes you don't want to talk on the phone. So we have text and chat 24-7. You um, can text or chat us. um, And we are there to listen um, and to help as we can. My specific role is not necessarily on the lifeline itself, but as our head of advocacy and government affairs. So my job is to represent LGBTQ youth, um, whether that be in Congress, a courtroom, or state capitals across the country. It is all about making sure that um, the voices of LGBTQ youth are heard and that their lives are benefited, not you know, you know, not hurt in any way by a lot of really terrible policies out there that keep being brought up, but that we are one by one taking down. Mm, Incredible. And yeah, as we know, um, it's no secret that there are still in 2020, a ton of harmful policies that are directed towards LGBTQ youth. So we'll definitely get into that, but thank you for that explanation. Um, Sure. Let's talk a little bit about um, conversion 
conversion therapy. So for our listeners yep. who may not be familiar, um, what is that? Um, why is it harmful? And if you want to share just a little bit about your personal experience, um, we would love to hear that as well. It's, it's a really important question because it's something that's not asked about enough. So conversion therapy takes so many forms. I'm a survivor of conversion therapy. So in a little bit, I'll explain um, what my experiences were. But basically, um, in its most um, simple form, conversion therapy is the idea and the practice of trying to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity um, from LGBTQ to straight and cisgender. Uh, there has been hundreds of thousands of people who have gone through conversion therapy. In fact, according to um, UCLA and the Williams Institute, more than 700,000 people have gone through conversion therapy with 350,000 of them being LGBTQ youth. Um, oh. it, is, it is really a problem. For the Trevor Project, we did a re we did um, a survey, the largest national survey of LGBTQ youth out there. Two out of three youth said someone had tried to change their sexual orientation or gender identity. So this is pervasive, pervasive problem. Now, formalized conversion therapy, when we asked LGBTQ youth about that as well, more than 5% then said that they were um, experiencing conversion therapy. So this is this is not something that stopped in the 1980s. Um, this is something that is happening today and really um, causing a lot of harm, a lot and a lot of harm. You may, you asked like, why is it harmful? And, mm -hmm. and it's therapy, right? So we expect therapy to be helpful. I'm a huge proponent of mental health care. And I think that um, especially in today's climate, in like getting times. good mental health care. I mean, even more so today with coronavirus, right? Like, but like in today's climate, this is a time where talking to someone about your mental health is important. But if that person has a goal of changing your mental health to um, instead have you identify in a different way than you are and or even are questioning, then that, that's going to potentially be harmful. Your, your body is going to be kind of um, fighting itself, mm -hmm. right? That's the, that's the problem with conversion therapy is that it's a battle where you, both ways you're going to lose. Um, so how do we know it's harmful? Well, according to our survey, again, it, it was really bad when it came to conversion therapy in that near, more than half of LGBTQ youth who have gone through conversion therapy um, have reported a suicide attempt in the last year. That jumps to 57% of transgender and non-binary youth who have undergone conversion therapy reporting a suicide attempt in the last year. So this isn't, this isn't having no effect. Like here's the, like here's the best correlation, case. Basically. It's a direct correlation. <laughs> those who go through conversion therapy are two to three times as likely to attempt suicide as those who have not. And LGBTQ youth, as you probably already know, are four to five times as likely to attempt suicide as their straight peers. So you are compounding this into like an eight or nine times as likely factor um, of attempting suicide as those um, who aren't going through this conversion therapy and are living um, healthy and productive lives, right? So mm -hmm. it's a big, big problem. I can tell you a little bit about my experience um, recognizing that again, it is one of 700,000. So right. there are many variations, but 
my experience kind of led into what is called aversion therapy, which is when they tried to attach negative stimuluses. So first I was told that I was alone. So when I came out to my family, um, it, it became kind of an abusive situation. And my parents stepped in and said, we're going to try this thing called conversion therapy. We're not doctors, but maybe this person can help. Okay. And so when walking into a conversion therapist, I thought that this person was there to help me mm. rather than hurt me. I was first told I was the only gay child left alive, that all gay children had to be changed or they would die. I was told that um, I had AIDS and brought, had brought AIDS into, um, that gays had brought AIDS into America and that was why we couldn't be gay. I was told that my God hated me, which was truly heartbreaking as a um, person of faith because that was my like rock and standard that I understood. I, all of these pieces of like mental torture were trying to make me not trust my family, not trust any other system other than this therapist and recognize that I was wrong and needed to change. When that wasn't enough, we moved into physical aversion therapy where my hands would be either placed in heat or ice or electricity um, while pictures of men touching men were shown to me. So I would associate Whoa. negatively what I was seeing with what I was feeling. Um, probably many people who are listening to this podcast have heard of Pavlov's dogs. Mm -hmm. Pavlov's dogs was the psychological experiment where they would ring a bell while they fed dogs. And at one point, all you had to do was ring the bell and the dog would think it was going to get fed. So it would start to salivate. The same thing happens in reverse um, for aversion therapy. Sometimes you may have heard that you smokers um, or ex-smokers will wear wristbands around, um, excuse me, rubber bands around their wrist and they'll snap the rubber band mm -hmm. to make a little bit of like, a, oh, I don't want to do that, right? This is that to a 10, 10 million degree, um, you know, kind of concept. And it's, it was devastating. My, within, when I would later come back out <laughs> Um, and have my very first kiss, I would puke within about 10 seconds of it because it was so painful um, uh, that I, I hadn't do it. Now, to be very clear, I've moved past it. I don't, I don't let um, my conversion therapy define me, but I got married just a year ago. Um, Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you so much. I... <laughs> I, now you can hear I'm smiling through the but um, that was exactly what I did, um, right? So walking down the aisle to Kevin, though, truly made me um, worried. I didn't know if I was going to hurt kissing him on my wedding day, mm. right? It, it, it really, it is emotionally devastating for everyone. It is physically devastating for so many. As I already told you, when nearly two out of three are attempting suicide this last year alone, we are truly erasing and breaking a generation. Mm. And this isn't the late, this is only the latest generation to go through this. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm so, so sorry that that happened to you. And I'm so sorry that that's happening and has happened to so many people who are just people living in the world very normally and like having just being themselves like these people are just being themselves and that's so awful that also that these conversion therapists who are not real like 
scientists and are not real, or some of them maybe are real quote unquote doctors, but clearly like parents and families in like so many places are getting tricked into like your, you know, your kid is going to be better this way or there's so much like horror in, in these stories. There are, and I think you hit on a really important part, which is this is happening by professionals. Let's mm. let's let's not mistake this as only, um, uh, you know, uh, quacks. Well, they all charlatans. They all are yeah. hacks, but, right. but sadly, some of these hacks have licenses. Um, uh, so the best way to put it is that, and from our what we've found, right, um, is that the Williams Institute found that again nearly at least 20,000 youth were at risk of receiving conversion therapy um, from a licensed mental health professional in the next couple of years. And then a religious advisor or a spiritual advisor, another six, nearly 60,000. So if you think about it, it's about, about one, um, uh, yes, yeah, 60,000, exactly. So it's about one fourth are from licensed mental health professionals. At about wow. we don't know the specific numbers because although many of these people advertise their services they're very um undercover in many cases right yeah but let's just imagine that like could you imagine that one quarter of your doctors out there would try to erase you for who you are yeah. like that is that is just a terrifying concept and i also wonder like what in terms of what is behind a majority of the like reasoning for these mental health professionals? Like, is it religion? Like, is that like the sole driver or like, I mean, like what else could it be? You know, is it like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Jewish yeah. person. So I have never, and I've very frequently, like not necessarily um, in New York city, cause there are a ton of Jews there, but there have been spaces that I've been in where I have been the only Jew. And it is kind of strange because I don't know anything about like calf, like the Catholic, like Catholicism and Christianity in term. And I, sure. but I, but I do know that like in terms of erasing LGBTQ people and like this whole idea that that's quote unquote unnatural, I do know that that is characteristically like a religious Christian thing. I will, I will say that is true and an and statement, right? Yes. And New York City, Orthodox Jewish populations are actually oh, why sure. New York City until recently had the highest per capita. Oh, so it was God. actually the Orthodox Jewish people are definitely participating yep. in conversion therapy. Yep. Exactly. And, and a variety of other faith practices, right? This is a, this is a cultural moment where I have to try to remind people, like my mother was trying to save my life. My mother right. did not think that I would have a happy, productive life if I was going to remain LGBTQ, mm -hmm. right? Like that is, she was truly trying, um, right? And this is, this is why conversion therapy is such a problem is that these are people, these therapists, and I, you can't see this, right, in quotation marks, they are therapists, are preying on the fears of parents right. and providing snake oil, right? Like, you know, make your, make, make Tommy well with, you know, elixir green, right? Like this is the same thing just in a new generation of, of make Tommy well by making Tommy straight, mm -hmm. right? Like that's the problem we're living in right now.
Yeah, I'm so appreciative of you saying that because I feel like Orthodox Jews are definitely problematic in a lot of ways. And like in actually the reason why I like started this podcast was because I was living in Israel for a year and I had like a crazy experience with a super religious rabbi in like a a Jerusalem (laughs) temple where basically he was like, yeah, I have like seven daughters and like when they all turn 18... Like, we're just going to marry them off by the matchmaker, and they won't learn about sex until their wedding night, and we just, like, kind of pray to God that they get pregnant. And that was, like, the impetus for me being like, oh, no, this this is so problematic in so many ways. So, of course, Orthodox Jews and Mormons and every other religion, like, are participating in this because hate is so pervasive, and this whole idea of normalcy and, like, passing on children. Like, is it the whole thing of, like, you have to be able to pass on children. Like, I really wonder what the, what the like beginning root of it is. You know what I mean? Like, do you think, yeah. what do you yeah. think it is? Do you think it's like this? I mean, I'm sure it's obviously a mixture of things and you can't really point, sure, sure, sure. point to one thing. But when I think deeply about it, it's like, is it that? Is it the fact that you're so scared that your kid won't be able to pass on kids? Like, is that part of it? That's a really, I've not been asked that question before. I I would frame it so I am a person of faith, right? So I still practice my faith um, every, you know, every, well, every day if I can, um, right. but like uh, at least um, every week, right? And it's, it is, uh, I recognize that some people of faith hurt us because of their interpretation, right? Like mm-hmm. that interpretation has to be grounded in something. So I, I believe that that interpretation is grounded in love because I would not, I, I pray that, that all of these faiths aren't just hating everyone. Right. right. Like, so if we assume that this is out of love, then I assume the core is they do not expect because they did not see it in normal day practice. Right. Mm-hmm. They do not see happy, healthy, productive families. Exactly. Of, of LGBTQ people. And they think that the family is God's, you know, central point on earth. Right. Right. And so those who cannot create families cannot be of God's will. Now to be very clear, that is a bad review because there's a a lot of people who form families in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. As we obviously both know. Um, but as a person of faith, when I try to, when I try to think of, okay, why is this person acting this way? I tend to think of it, okay, they must want the best for me in some way that I just can't see yet, right? right. Um, maybe this is like very Pollyanna of me, but like that's where that's where I go. Um, and I try to think, well, what would be a way that I can help demonstrate to them that I can still have those experiences and those benefits that they are looking for um, as I am, right? So mm-hmm. it was really important to me um, to get married to my partner, but that doesn't mean it is for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I recognize that marriage isn't for everyone. For me, it was a really interesting moment of overcoming conversion therapy though, as well, along with it being, um, you know, my love for Kevin without any question, there was also the point of reminding folks that this isn't, wasn't a choice that I just like flipped off not loving someone or an entire group of people, mm-hmm. um, right? This was, uh, I was showing the world, actually, I am who I am, and I will love who I will love, and that love is just as beautiful, um, mm-hmm. right? It just takes a lot of different forms for a lot of different people, and I think that's that's why we're doing so much work. The Trevor Project is working 
um, hand in hand with groups of faith, with mental health professionals and with legislators to make conversion therapy a thing of the past because parents shouldn't have the option. We shouldn't have the option to put your kid through something that is so harmful um, just as a, as a, you know, precaution to take care of kids. That's where we start. Like, despite the whole erasure of my people thing, there is just just the, we shouldn't be hurting kids thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where our work at conversion in, in ending conversion therapy kind of centers for Trevor Project. Yes. Yeah. So to, to kind of build on that, can you talk a bit about like what that work looks like with the Trevor Project? Like in terms of who are you like, you know, getting on the phone with, who are you having meetings with? What are the, what are the steps that you all are taking to actually ban conversion therapy across the United States? And is it very much kind of a fragmented thing because the U.S. is so fragmented in terms of state policy? Or are you kind of attacking both angles of like state and federal legislation? So um, most states, uh, well, no. So every state manages the licenses for their mental health professionals in a state level, Mm -hmm. not on a federal level. So we have to go state by state. Okay. Now, the good thing is, is that we can convince it's sometimes much easier to get some states than it is to get other states. Right. So, so we've actually um, um, we've actually been able to do it and in a very bipartisan way um, to be very clear about that. Right. Like so we have already in the last couple of years passed 20 bills. We have 20 states where we wow. have ended in a matter of years. It is one of the fastest moving um, LGBT movements in history. Whereas marriage equality took like, you know, a decade between (laughs) some of the different bills. Right. We are passing them in a couple of months. In uh, one of my statistics that I love to throw out is that until coronavirus, um, (laughs) we were literally passing a bill every other month. Literally every other month we were passing another bill. How do you do it? A lot of really, really important recognition that everyone has a role to play in the fight to end conversion therapy. So we've done this with um, both both sides of the aisle. More than six, uh, seven, excuse me, seven Republican governors have signed on to bills um, ending conversion therapy. We've had more than four to five hundred Republicans vote against conversion therapy. Um, we are we are making sure that everyone has a role to play. If you're a mental health professional, we've had you testifying um, about its true and utter harms. Um, When you're a parent, we've had them saying, I could have been swindled out of tens of thousands of dollars for something that wasn't actually going to change my child. Mm. And that is wrong. Um, We've had survivors like myself share our stories whether it be the New York Times op-ed, right, or a little small classroom in um, uh, Kansas, right? Like, doesn't matter where it's been shared. It matters that the stories are being told. Mm-hmm. We've also made, again, a significant amount of progress on just the national conversation. So when I started um, this work back a while, I am not the, I have, there have been many who've worked much longer than I have um, in uh, the work to end conversion therapy. But as I've gotten started, there was still so many people advertising um, conversion therapy, right? Mm-hmm. It was everywhere. You would type in conversion therapy and it was like you could choose your provider within the first 10 um, results. Now we have it where major movies like Boy Erased and The Miseducation of Cameron Post mm-hmm. are taking me. I got to walk the red carpets of the Oscars a couple of years ago. Oh, right? Lucky. And I, 
it, it was an amazing experience. And it was this moment of, this was because conversion therapy was center stage. We were saying that, that this was the time, right? This was where we were going to start making sure that stories and storytelling are the major forms of advocacy that will win this fight. We, it was not until we started sharing the stories of love that marriage equality really started to move fast, right? If we think about it, it wasn't about the benefits. It was about the love. And that storytelling was what took over for marriage equality. The same happened for us. We just did it right from the start. Right. We just started from the beginning and said, you know what? That's it. Nope. We are going to raise the voices of survivors and what I call the survivor adjacent community, the community of support, right? It shouldn't all fall onto us. Right. It should fall into um, a lot more of the work of, you know, the parents and the pastors and the professionals but we, we need all of us to be sharing our stories and making it happen. And it's working. Like I said, these bills all center on youth. So they say that a minor um, cannot have conversion therapy practiced on them um, with conversion therapy well-defined. And that if a person with a license does that, they um, could lose their license, right? Like that's it's the risk of financial ruin um, if they do that uh, conversion therapy. And we're... We're really proud to say that it's gone all the way up to the Supreme Court and be defended twice now. And both times the Supreme Court has rejected the case um, and upheld the standards. So oh, we are wow. hoping we are hoping that that continues. Um, we obviously do not want uh, that, that. That is just where we are. We, we are we are winning so far and we will continue winning. Um, and I'm going to mention one one more thing. I know Please. that we're, we're probably a little bit over, but yeah. um, I, I like. A really important part is also that we're we're fighting in the hard states too. So when I started 50 Bills, 50 States, which is the campaign um, that we do, uh, there were only about nine to 10 states working on ending conversion therapy, maybe. We we just hit state number 40. Um, wow. So we, are, we have quadrupled the number of states working to end conversion therapy. Now, that doesn't mean that they've all passed the legislation. Right. But submitting legislation in another 20 states brings us to the 40 that I can kind of say, like, wow. Like, like you're the almost kid there. Can't... Like, you're working yeah. towards your goal. It's, it's truly, when you talk about LGBT equality, conversion therapy is the bright spot. It really is, right? Like of the – I think it was like – I think the statistic I saw last year was that there were like seven or eight pro-LGBT bills passed in state legislatures. Five of them were conversion therapy bills, right? Like we we are doing so much, you know, big stuff. Um, and it's it's really exciting to get to have podcasts like this, like share the story um, because I think it's even more people realizing who are probably right now hearing this and being like, Oh, didn't realize that was still a thing. Right. Also, really excited that it's not as much of a thing as it was, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. But still, wow, we have a lot of work left to be done. Exactly. Hopefully, people who are listening kind of get engaged and, you know, follow the Trevor Project and you on social and really can, like, do yep. their own part to call representatives and do letter writing campaigns. And, you know, there's a lot of power in knowledge. And I think when people know the truth and know the facts they can and know that they can do something about it it's it's super empowering so let's let's keep it moving um as we yep. said you know trevor project is doing all this amazing work um we've talked about all the amazing progress that you've made um can we maybe just talk specifically about 
the political climate today and like what besides besides conversion therapy and kind of sure. the other um, challenges um, that LGBTQ youth are facing and maybe, you know, We've actually, since coronavirus, and since it seems like this is yep. something that's going to be impacting people for quite some time, you know, definitely for the short term, people are isolated for, you know, weeks, maybe months. The economy is definitely going down. People are getting fired. Um, there are some groups who are more at risk of getting the virus um, than others. Um, there are some groups who are at risk of not being able to work. Um, for example, you know, there are a lot of communities of sex workers who are kind of um, getting their stories out there about not being able to work in times like this um, and some belonging to the LGBTQ community. Um, I would love for you to tell us about how LGBTQ youth are impacted by the political climate like today in 2020, like pre-corona and maybe like yep. during corona. Okay, so the political climate is difficult. Let's not, let's, I, I'm generally the person of hope, but it is difficult. Mm -hmm. Now to be very clear, we, we know it's difficult because even during our survey, um, <laughs> LGBTQ youth told us this, right? So this isn't coming from just Sam, this is coming from LGBTQ youth. So of our national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health from the Trevor Project, 76% of LGBTQ youth felt that the recent political climate impacted their mental health or sense of self. So again, this is, this is a, without question, it's having an impact. It is difficult um, because our numbers are higher than they've ever been before. And we recognize that LGBTQ youth are in crisis um, in a variety of different ways for a variety of different reasons. This is compounded by the fact that um, LGBTQ youth are coming out earlier and earlier. Right. So this is in their lives. It's, it's exciting. And we're really happy that people get to express themselves as they are um, and, you know, identify um, with their true selves. Mm -hmm. And yet it's causing um, challenges to some LGBTQ youth who may see something like Glee or a, a, a movie that where someone comes out and it's and it's easy and it's not as easy when it comes to reality. Right. And that that can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. We are each and every day trying to address a variety of different issues, for example, and one that I really am glad we get to talk about for a little bit is suicide prevention policies in schools. Mm. We have found that nearly one in three students across the country go to a school without the word suicide even mentioned in a single policy in their school. Mm. That is terrifying. Um, we are politically in a space where everyone wants to work on that and we're, we're getting some great legislation, but, but think of that as a political climate, right? The political climate is that we don't even need to talk about some of these issues, right? It's the erasure, but of, because of, you know, making us feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, um, when it comes to political climate, I think we all have, again, something that we can do. We all have a, a role to play. There is... There is definitely, how do I put this? There is definitely a really um, big divide that's happening in our nation. That is the, that is the, the, the common trope, right? Like right. us v them, right? And I think that that doesn't actually really help LGBTQ youth because LGBTQ youth are going to be coming from all walks of life. 
And so at the Trevor Project, um, especially in my advocacy team, we have a variety of political perspectives that we bring to the table, mm. right, on my staff. And we do this for a very specific reason, which is to say, guess what? Whether you are the kid who's attending church every day or the kid who never wants to set into a church, set foot into a church again, whether you are going to the Republican National Convention or the Democratic National Convention, whether you um, are excited to vote or think that voting is silly, mm. we want to be the crisis intervention program for you, right? And I think I know that's kind of a cop out when it comes to your question about political climate, but that's how I think I No, but you with need to appeal climate. to everyone because everyone, exactly. you know, suicide knows no bounds, basically. Um, there are plenty of people who have, like you said, a, a multi, like a variety of different opinions and beliefs, but like at the end of the day, they're still going to need someone to talk to if they're feeling alone. Right. Um, the, the and making sure that if you are ever feeling alone, knowing that when the other person who picks up the phone or on that text chat is ready to listen, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, we we see the impacts of political climate, right? When um, uh, the administration tweeted about um, a trans military ban, our numbers skyrocketed, right? Mm -hmm. Like we recognize that um, words have true consequences and we do all we can to help deal with those consequences and prevent those words from ever happening in the first place. Right. That's where I think it's kind of nice to see um, the work that's been done um, by a variety of LGBT, uh, a variety of LGBT, um, you know, groups across the country, whether it be the National Center for Lesbian Rights work in the courtroom, whether it be, you know, um, the PFLAG, the amazing work that PFLAG is doing um, with parents, families, and friends, right? Like to build community around LGBTQ youth, mm -hmm. whether it be GLSEN doing amazing work in the school system, right? The political climate does not stand a chance against the might of the LGBT movement. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's very powerful. Um, amazing. So we have a couple more questions, um, and then I kind of want to open the floor for whatever else you want to plug and talk about and make sure that folks listening um, really pay attention to during this episode. Um, I want to know what else you want listeners to know about youth and how to support them. So if someone who's listening is an ally or a parent or someone who's in the community themselves – um, how do you want those people to be supporting LGBTQ youth um, in a time like this? And how can they do that? Sure. So first off, it's always important for us to recognize that hard conversations um, need to still happen. So if you see an LGBTQ youth who um, may be going through a really rough time, it is never um, a problem. You are not going to put suicide into their minds, but it is never a problem to, in confidence and in respectfully ways, ask, you know, are you thinking about suicide? Like, is there something that I can do to help? Um, right. These are important conversations that need to not be um, ignored. Mm -hmm. I think we are also worried that we're going to have to be the problem solvers and we don't. We have to get them to the resources. That's mm -hmm. why Trevor Project exists. Mm -hmm. LGBTQ youth need to know that resources exist out there for them, but many of them just don't have the knowledge or, or the access 
to those types of resources um, uh, right away. So ask the tough questions and be ready with the good answers. Be ready to say, hey, um, do you know if your school has a um, GSA? If not, let's talk to Glisten about maybe founding one there. Hey, did you know um, that Trevor Project has this awesome program called Trevor Space, an online community for LGBTQ youth with more than 170,000 LGBTQ youth from all over the world who just talk to each other. Think of it like Facebook or MySpace but for the LGBTQ community and we don't sell your data to the Russians. Like what a win. <laughs> um, like Trevor Space is this non-crisis moment where people just get to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Another way you can support LGBTQ youth is by standing up for um, them in times when you may hear something that's offensive, right? So to not always have to be the one to talk about something is really important. Um, I raise this up all the time with pronouns. I, at the beginning of this uh, interview, mentioned that my pronouns are they and them. And it is really powerful to me when my friends and my colleagues will, when someone mispronounces, not mispronounces, excuse me, misgenders me, um, says, actually, Sam uses they and them pronouns and, like, doesn't make a big deal about it, but just make sure that I feel respected, right? right? These are these are simple things um, that, that aren't about uh, making my life necessarily easier, but making it so that... I don't have to be the one to bear the burden. Right. So, so ask the tough questions, have the good answers, bear some of the burden. And I would say the last part is celebrate the good. Um, we have just spent a so whole sweet. amazing interview where you and I got to celebrate 20 states having ended conversion therapy for uh, minors with another huge. 20 states working on it, right? Like we are in the midst of a great and powerful wave of true life-saving work. Um, I get to measure my, you know, like end of my year work in the number of lives I've saved. That's a really exciting way to go to work, right? And we know the smallest estimate, the smallest estimate is that we have already saved more than 10,000 LGBTQ youth from conversion therapy. Wow. That That is a way to go. That is a number to give to LGBTQ youth, no matter who they are, and say, someone's fighting for you. Like, lives are being saved, and your life is just as important as all of those other lives. So I want you to know that good things are happening, not just the coronavirus um, (laughs) news, not just the tweets, um, right, from an administration, not just, you know, maybe... A, a bully in their school. They need to hear the good things. We should be celebrating the days when things go well, right? Uh, we started this interview again with me saying that, you know, the rain is coming, but the sun is shining, right? Like I did that on purpose because I think it's important to remember that the sun is shining. I see the rain. I do. I'm not discounting the right. political climate, but I'm saying that the good outweighs the bad in the end. And that's what we fight for. Oh my God, that really was so beautiful. Um, I love your optimism. Thank you so, so much for all of the work that you do. Um, we are so lucky to hear your story and to get to know you a little bit better uh, here at Sex Ed with DB. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's it's a really exciting um, time to be doing this work. And I'm honestly excited to have um, an amazing colleague like you um, ready to do the work right beside me in your own special way. Oh, 
Thank you so much. And just last but not least, do you want to share with people um, how to find the Trevor Project online and kind of any sort of um, way to get in touch or your website stuff or whatever you want to share with that? Absolutely. So let's say you need some help. Go to thetrevorproject.org backslash help. That's where that's where you can get all kinds of our resources. So if you um, take one thing away and you need help, get to thetrevorproject.org backslash um, help. To get to our lifeline, call us at 1-866-488-7386. Let's say you're like me and a millennial and you can't stand to talk on the phone. So like text is your thing. Text the word start to 678-678. And again, you can reach us 24-7, 365. If you go to our website at thetrevorproject.org, you can also learn all about our 50 Bills, 50 States campaign. Look us up. Use hashtag 50 Bills, 50 States after you listen to this podcast. And I'll be able to find you and we'll keep the conversation going about all the great ways you can work to end conversion therapy. Ever wish you had an exact replica of your gorgeous parts? Well, now you can make one yourself, thanks to Clonawilly. Clonawilly and Clonapussy are DIY molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva at home into a high-quality sex toy or memento. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on Instagram at clonawillykit. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Isle. Isle is a collection of high-performance, reusable period care products centered on body positivity, ethical business, and sustainability. Isle, previously known as Lunapads, has an entire line of reusable pads, cups, and period underwear that's made from sustainable, technical, and safe absorbent materials. Find out more at www.periodisle.com and use promo code SEXEDDB to get 20% off your first purchase. Follow them on Instagram, at period aisle. FemFun is a family-owned and operated brand of adult pleasure products centered around the belief that all intimate curiosities and fantasies should be explored with full confidence. With that in mind, and a mission to break sex toy taboos, they launched a movement coined FemPowerment committing to the human desire to explore new experiences. Embrace the vibrations. Use promo code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase at www.femfun.com. That's www.f-e-m-m-e-f-u-n-n.com. Follow them on IG at FemFun. Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, a.k.a. DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.